Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great to see you and to be here today. Um, We are going to be going into a different kind of series next week in the mornings, which is going to be quite interactive. So um, can I be ready for that? I don't want to scare you. It's going to be good. Um, It's going to involve um, people talking to one another a little bit more in the services rather than it just being a front-to-back thing. It's going to be mixing it up. And uh, we'll probably try and do a little bit more of that in the evenings. But we'll also, for the evenings, I think we will still be doing a kind of a talk and a, a chat. But... We do want these to be interactive. We, we never want to just do it. There's some person at the front who's saying everything, everybody's just in like passive mode. So one of the things that so you should have got on the way in, and if you haven't got one, um, wave, is this, um, this piece of paper that we were giving out called the Wheel of Life. So uh, you can write notes on the back if you want to. You can do your shopping list if you're not listening to me. You can, um, you know, but if, if you've not got one of those, you will need one. So please put up a hand and um, then you can get one. There's a bunch down the front, if others could help us. Brilliant, thank you. I was, um, I was reading a book, I read a book this week uh, called The Culture Code by a guy called uh, Daniel Coyle. He's written um, some very good books. And this one is amazing. It's just full of all kinds of truths about how do we uh, get groups of people to work together better so that the individuals work better and the groups work even better. And uh, he's looked at um, how coaches of uh, the very best teams, like sports teams get the best, how like Navy SEALs and all these kind of people, what they do. And it's just packed with really interesting insight. And I really recommend that book, um, The Culture Code, Daniel Coyle. And um, one of the things that was just like a throwaway line in it, um, he was talking about, um, was starlings. And uh, I think we have a picture of some. Um, it's like, uh, have you ever seen one of these? It's called a murmuration. When you get starlings that, uh, that fly together and they make these incredible patterns. And what he says is like if a falcon was to attack one of them, they all kind of make a hole and it flies right through the middle of them. And it's like you can't just pick one off because they're all in some way connected. Um, but he says that the way in which they're connected, for years people studied it and some people thought it was like some kind of bird ESP of some kind, that they all just knew where the other ones were. But actually now as they've studied it, they realised, no, each bird is kind of connected to about four, maybe five others at any one time. And it's like, I know where I am because I know where I am in relation to that one and that one and that one and that one, if there is one there. And so it's like it's impossible for a bird to be connected to all of those. But it has got intentional connection going on with the others. And what he talks about in his book is how do we help people feel that they belong? Because if people feel that they belong, they'll perform. It's like you don't have to work at performance if you've got belonging. And there's ways that we can speak with people, speak to people. There's things that we can do that will help belonging and there's things that will hinder belonging. And he he lists the kind of conversations that do that. It's a cracking book. But I love that picture 
And I don't know what church is like for you, but um, you know, I don't want anybody to get picked off. And I think that um, you know, God wants us to be closely connected, and you can't do that with everybody. You know, we, 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 there's a, probably about a thousand people that call Ivy their home in the different places that we meet. And, um, you know, I'm meeting new people all the time. And it's not going to get to the, ever get to a point, I don't think, where I'm going to get to know everybody. In fact, the churches that limit their growth are the ones that say that everybody has to try and know everybody. So it's not possible for that to happen, but you do have to know somebody. You have to be in places where you're needed and known in order to be able to make those kind of connections that will sustain you as a, as a, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ. So I just think that's important. Two different questions, and they're both to do with connections, which is, that's the, you know, the bird each time is asking, it, you know, where are you? And then it says, it says the two things that they do in relation to one another is, where am I and where are we going? Where am I? Where are you going? It's like that's enough for you to be able to know, to be able to to get around and that is connected to others see sometimes we've made Christianity about this thing that's just connected to God but God made us for connection with other people God made us to be connected in different ways with different people so we need to know where I am where you are and where we're going and that is connected to other people and it's connected to God and it's all connected how we relate to one another have you figured this out yet? It really matters to God. It really matters to God. How we love one another, how we connect with one another. And how we connect with God is meant to make all the difference in how we connect with one another. So it isn't just a Sunday life. It's not just bothered about the, the Christian meetings on a Sunday. It's, it's got to bleed out into all of the rest of the days too. And, um, and I know that's hard because like you, I have all kinds of things that want to pull me away in all kinds of different directions. We all have pressures. We all have um, things that pull on us and pressures and, and uh, different priorities. But Jesus lived this incredible life where he was able to say, I do nothing of my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. It's like, that's it. It's not amazing. What do you do? It's the question people ask all the time. So what do you do? Jesus said, what the Father's doing. That's it. He was that connected to his Father. And was he connected to people too? Absolutely. He knew how to do life, really connected in community, close, incredible close connection 24-7 with people. He lived so close to people in connected community. And there were layers to that. So there's the three and there's the 12 and there's 70 and there's 5,000. And Jesus isn't connected with them all in the same way, but he's got some priorities going on. He lived closely to people in community and he lived closely in connection with God, which shows us it's possible for us to be able to do that. Because Jesus never did anything just to show that he could do it. He did it so that we could know that we can do it. If you read the book of Mark, the gospel, I think, I, I just get a feeling when I read Mark, Mark was a kind of rush, rush, busy, busy kind of guy. He was like, 
It's the shortest gospel. Some scholars believe that Mark, John Mark, was actually, he kind of writes about himself, he's like the anonymous young guy who fled naked in the garden when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. And he's like, you know, you know you're in a rush. You know you've got too much going on if you're running around the garden naked. You've not even got your clothes and you're kind of going, if you've not got time to put your clothes on, you're probably going a bit too fast. And life for Mark is rush, rush. You can tell by the way that he writes. He writes the shortest gospel and over and over the word that he uses most is this word. It's translated as immediately. Or sometimes you could translate it as suddenly. And it's like immediately and suddenly and next this. It's like boom, 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 boom. And he's just zooming through. I love the Gospel of Mark. He's just like, chapter one is action-packed, right from the start. He doesn't mess about. He doesn't say, here's a genealogy. Here's some stuff you need to know about Jesus. He just goes, John the Baptist. Then Jesus. Then Jesus goes and fights the devil and wins. And then Jesus picks some disciples. And then they go to Capernaum. And immediately Jesus starts to teach And suddenly a guy starts shouting because he's full of demons. And straight away Jesus sorted him out. And then they went right out of there and they went straight to Simon Peter's house. And immediately he goes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And straight away she gets up and makes them all dinner. And that's how it is. It's like boom, 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 boom. It's like, take a breath. It's just one, this is one day in Jesus' life. You'd think you're busy. And then it says, that evening they brought sick and afflicted people to him and the whole city lined up at his door. Imagine that. This is, the, like, this is how he's describing the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is how it got started. And he says, and he cured their sick bodies and their tormented spirits. Does it sound like a busy day? Busy, busy. Freshers, problems, people. Immediately, suddenly, next, then, and immediately. That's how he's, this is the pace of which it's living. This is one day, and this is the first day that Mark describes. Then verse 35, it says this, and rising very early in the morning. So this is the next day. Actually, literally, it says that same night. So I don't know what time it was, but it's late. While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. It's like his friends are looking for him, chasing him down. And they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. There's the people pressure. You know what that feels like. People need you. People want you. Everybody wants you. Verse 38, and he said to them, let us go to the next towns so that I may preach there also because that is why I came. Which is like, no. People want you to do this. Everybody wants you to do that. People want you to come here. People want you to go there. No. I'm saying no to that. I'm saying no to them. Because I'm saying yes to him. 
That's why I came. We're going to look at a little video I found this week that I thought was funny, which tells you as a Christian about how you've got even more ways to be able to say no once you become a Christian. If you haven't become a Christian yet, maybe this would be a good enough reason for you to become one tonight. But after that, I'm going to tell you the best way to say no as soon as you watch this video. So we'll just watch this one. Okay, ways to say no. There are a bunch of them. No thanks. That's it. The best way to say no is don't say yes. <laughs> Honesty moment. Hands up if anybody, has, anybody else has problems with this. Okay. Don't say yes. Don't say yes just because you can. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to do it. Because that yes is a no to something else. Every yes is also a no to something else. Because we've all got limited time, space. We, and I find that I end up saying yes to some things. And then afterwards I'm like, I don't know why I said yes to that. Because now I, I, I'm saying no to that. So let's practice. Repeat after me. No. Let's do it again. No. 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 Oh, a bit fierce. You don't have to be rude. <laughs> All right, uh, what about this one? Um, thanks for asking, but no. I'm already booked up. Thanks for thinking of me, but no. Thanks for inviting me, but no. Some people just can't say it. I'm looking around. Some people are like, I can't say that. Be more like Jesus. Jesus said no. You can say no. You don't have to go on and on about it. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to make lots of excuses. There's a phrase I've, I've told our staff team sometimes. Beware of distant elephants. What's that? It's like, Somebody invites me to do something next year. And I'm like, it's this big. Why is it this big? Because it's a year away. So I'm like, yeah, I can do that. It's a mouse. But next week, it's an elephant. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Watch out for approaching Elephants. Some of us are just wrestling big elephants all the time because we didn't say no when it was the size of a mouse. I, I, there's a phrase I read in Reader's Digest once in a dentist's that saved me so much stress. <laughs> and it was an interview, it was years ago, and it was, a, a, it was a, an article about um, Paul Newman, the movie star. And they were saying to him about how do you, you know, you get loads of offers for different um, movies to be in them. How do you say no? And he said, oh, I've learned a phrase I, I, that basically just gets me out of it. I'm, I'm telling you the secret. In case I say this to you, then you're going to go, oh, yeah, he's doing the Paul Newman thing. Right? <laughs> it's this. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's impossible for me right now. Now, that, does that leave any room for argument? No, and it's not like a, a never, never. That's just like, I'm sorry, but it's impossible for me right now. 
I've, I've, I practice saying that. I, I put a psychological tip on my Facebook page that I read, which was this. Don't say I can't, say I don't. Because if I, I can't means I might be able to. There's room for debate. But I don't means I don't. I don't do Wednesday nights. Um, it's not I can't, it's I don't. I don't check my emails first thing. This is true, actually. I don't check my emails first thing in the morning because I want to be productive, not reactive. I don't want my life to be driven by everybody else's agendas who wants me to do this, 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 this and now. And we've got in this thing, which never used to be the case, that you've, you're only really productive, apparently, if you reply within like seven nanoseconds of it landing in your inbox. But I like time to think. Using the word because helps. Psychological study. They got these people standing by a photocopier and they said to them, um, well, the idea was you, you go up with your piece of paper and you'd say, first of all, excuse me, can I cut in the line? And what do you think people say? No. Okay. Then they did this instead. Same piece of paper. Excuse me, can I cut in the line because I need to make some copies? Yeah? I don't know why it works, but they say it works. Using the word because. It doesn't even need to be a good because. There's power in the word because. No, I can't because I'm doing something else. Oh, okay. I guess you can't. I mean, I want to live more like that because I want to say a better yes to some things and to say a better yes means I have to get better at saying no. And the fact is, the more you say no, the easier it gets. It, it really does. Some of us really need to practice. Actually, homework, I encourage you to practice this week. Say no to something you could say yes to. I do this a lot, and it's great. It's like, I don't have to do that. It's a bit like taking your shoes off when they've been too tight. You kind of go like, ah, that's all right. I don't have to, because I don't have to do everything. I don't have to go everywhere. There's things I could go to. There's all kinds of church stuff on. By the way, Ivy's a really busy church. There's so many great things that are going on from here, and people ask me about them. And I'm like, so many of them are like, yeah, no, it's great. I don't really know what it is, but it's brilliant. Do I feel a need to be at everything? No, because if, if I felt that, then we would limit the church to the things that I could be at. And I don't want to limit the church. I don't want to limit God. So I encourage you to practice that this week. Because it is a Jesus thing, because it's like Peter comes to him and says, hey, P Jesus, I know you had a busy day yesterday, but like everybody now wants you here doing this. Everybody does. And he's like, no, not everybody. 
The one who's most important doesn't. And I'm going to say a no to them because I'm saying yes to him. How did he get that? It's because he'd spent that time, and it isn't necessarily, I said this this morning at Charleston, it isn't necessarily an early morning thing. Some people make an invitation into a command. You don't have to get up early every morning to pray, just because Jesus did. Because guess what? It gets mentioned, but not necessarily as a practice. It's an observation. A couple of times it says Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Maybe that was because it was unusual. Is that okay to say that? Maybe it's because he didn't always do it. So they put it in. Jesus got up really early that morning and prayed. But people then go, so you must get up at 3 a.m. and pray till 5. I would say, you know, if I did that for very long, I would be so nasty and grumpy within like two weeks. Because that's not me. I'm not a morning person. So don't try and make something that might be your practice into something that is a principle for other people. Jesus spent that time with God. He gave him the best, that he, the best time that he could and he recalibrated and he reconnected and he let the, the compass resettle. You know, it's like how many times I was at a conference on Saturday and there was all these people all standing around the coffee machine. The coffee machine wasn't working and people were smacking it and all of this. And then they were like, let's go and get an expert. Let's go and do this. And then this guy just came along and he went, oh, hang on, unplug, plug it back in. <laughs> came back to life and did it how many times does that work I don't know why but it does doesn't it unplug reboot start again and it works where am I now where am I going next instead if the option the alternative is we live by pressures we live by what people's priorities are that they say should be your priorities a Washington newspaper carried the story of Tattoo the Basset Hound a little while back. Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut the dog's lead in the car door <laughs> and took off for a drive with Tattoo still outside the vehicle, he had little choice. Motorcycle officer Terry Filbert noticed a passing vehicle with something behind it. Quote, the Basset Hound was picking them up and putting them down as fast as he possibly could. He chased the car to a stop and Tattoo was rescued, but not before he reached the top speed of 25 miles an hour, rolling over numerous times. Too many of us end up living like Tattoo, picking them up and putting them down as fast as we possibly can. And we need to learn a better way to live than that. Especially if we're going to invite other people to follow Jesus. Because why would anybody say, I want to be like that person who follows Jesus, who is the most stressed out person I know? John Ortberg asked a question years ago at something that was at in Chicago, and he said, is the life you're inviting others to lead the life you're actually living yourself. When we think that Jesus would say to people, take an easy yoke. 
John Ortberg said that he called a guy called Dallas Willard, who's written some amazing, he wrote some, he died a couple of years ago, wrote some amazing books on spirituality. And he said to him, okay, I'm, I'm writing this stuff about prayer, I'm writing about spirituality, spiritual disciplines. What do you think is the most important thing for me to, to learn? After all your years of study, what do you think is the most important thing? And he said he was there poised with his pen to write it down. And he said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John Ortberg said, okay, got that, what's next? <laughs> you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It's the enemy of spiritual growth. But we've made a badge of being busy. How are you doing? Oh, busy. Well, I know you're busy, but being busy makes us feel important. It also means that I don't have to slow down enough to look at my heart very much. Because I'm busy. I'm important. I've got places to go, things to do. I'm an important person. Busy, busy, busy. And, and I know what it's like, because I'm saying as you, sometimes my life can seem like, a, like that, those things we used to have, our kids used to have one, like a whack-a-mole, where you kind of had these things that pop up, and you like hit that hammer, and then this other one pops up. You're just getting this bit sorted, and then this bit needs to be sorted out, and that's, that's how it is, and you end up with juggling too many balls, spinning too many plates, too many irons in the fire, using too many metaphors. <laughs> that's how we end up, getting tired. When you buy a new set of tyres, doesn't matter how good the tyres are, they want to be balanced. If they're not balanced, they're going to wear out. Our lives need to be balanced or we get problems. So, I want you to look at that piece of paper that you were given, because this is a tool that can help us to take inventory, a self-examination. Proverbs 14 verse 8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. In other words, wise people think about where they're headed. Fools just rush on. So it's called a wheel of life, and you can find all kinds of variations on this on the uh, internet. There's another picture of a different one that will go up on the screen. But the idea is that you don't just live by pressures but you are proactively making choices so that your life runs the way that God wants it to live and it isn't just by pressures it's, it's basically first things first and you can write on there this is just an idea as a, as a, a thing to do but different categories that are important to you that relate to you and I'm not going to give you I, didn't, I, I purposely didn't do this and then put some categories on and say these are the ones that you need to look at because I want you to use your mind and you to think about it, about what, is, what matters. Because different things matter at different stages, and different ages, and we're all different people with different pressures and priorities. But there's broad categories that hopefully some of these will apply to you. But you know, I think there's a, there's a mental component where you don't just allow anything to enter into your, the screen of your mind. Actually, you let it go through what, what God's word says. You take care of the garden in here. What's growing in here? You pull out the weeds. You put the good stuff in. There's a physical aspect to this. Taking care of our bodies. Exercise. Diet. What we let in there. You know, sleep. Rest. Spiritual. Another component. 
maintaining spiritual practices, the kind of thing I'm talking about. The things that we know help us grow in relationship with God. Emotional could be another category. You know, is your life demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These, would people who are closest to you say you're, you're, you're living and, and being more like that these days or less? Social. Even if everything else is, is going okay in your life, I, I know what it's like. That If my relational life isn't going right, that kind of makes a massive impact on all of the other ones too. You know, I'm, I'm married and there's a phrase, you know, happy wife, happy life. For me, it's, it's so important. So I'm not going to tell you what to put on all the different aspects, like the, the, the segments of that, because your life's unique. But we all have in common certain critical, interconnected parts of our lives. And maybe it isn't as important that you fill all the segments as you write. You can write on this now, but as things come to mind, if you, you, know, you get your own language, get your own words around it and start to, to think about them and fill, fill them in and then kind of give yourself a score. You know, that goes one to 10 going outwards. Maybe you can start to think of, how is that at the moment? Where am I in that particular area on the wheel of life? You can grade it roughly one to 10 from the inside out. So like physical could be like, you know, do you get out of breath walking upstairs? That would be like a, a four. Do you get out of breath walking downstairs? That's probably a one. You know, <laughs> there's like different aspects of this for us. But I've done this myself at different points. And people, are, you know, I've done this with groups. People label them with health, they might call it, or career, finances, relationships contribution, giving, fun, recreation, those kind of things. I wrote a book called Rough Diamonds and in there looked at a, a, a man's life and specifically looked at different areas of the diamond segment and uh, lots of them, well, they all began with F, but it's like friendships, finances, family, um, uh, fitness. You don't all have to rhyme or make the same letter or anything like that. It's for you. What are the things that are important to you? What, travel dreams you know if you've got I don't know if you've got things like that things that you would love places that you'd love to go and all those kind of things how are you going with that I, and this takes more time than we're going to be able to spend tonight I'm just wanting to say to you maybe you could block out a time or put something in the diary to be able to do this and start to think about this so you know I've already given some mental physical spiritual emotional social well-beings to check up where am I really right now? Am I mentally growing? What am I reading? What am I learning? Do I need to go on a course? Do I need to join Audible and listen to more books or something like that so that I work this gift that God's given me? Do I frequently complain that I'm too tired, physical? Am I maintaining a healthy weight? Spiritual. Am I regularly spending time with God and in his word and in prayer and with other people? Would those people who are close to me say that I'm more like Jesus these days or less? Emotional, do I worry a lot? Am I moody? What am I doing about it? Emotional health. Social aspect, who can I count on? How many genuine friends have I actually got? You know, They say the test for that is, that if you rang them at three o'clock in the morning from jail, they'd come and get you out. How many friends have you got like that? In fact, the better question is, how many people am I a friend like that to? 
Who knows they can rely on me? Mark yourself. You can mark yourselves on these things. But actually, you know you're likely to be biased. Positively or negatively. Often depending on your personality type. I always rate myself high. I just do. But people who know me better <laughs> might give me a different score. Ministry, that could be a segment. Have I found my place to fulfil my purpose, as we call it here at Ivy? You know, am I passionately serving in some way in the church family because I love God? Finances, have I got enough to be able to do the things that God is calling me to be able to do? To be able to live a contented, generous life? Or am I just like, in debt and need to sort stuff out with that and am I spending them am I, am I living beyond my means don't just rely on your own perceptions be brave enough to ask somebody who has to live with you or live close to you perhaps for their help with doing this these categories and now I think from, out of all of that this is I'm going to land with this and the band are going to come up in a few minutes because what I want to say out of all of this is Whatever your segments, whatever you write on the spokes, can I ask you to do this? Write Jesus right at the centre. Because if you go online and look at the wheel of life, you're going to find that Buddhists and business types use this wheel of life quite a lot. But they leave a big space in the centre and they write the word me. And this ain't that. Because that's not the answer. That's the problem. If I put me in the centre, my life's never going to be balanced the way that God wants it to be. If I think everything has to revolve, literally, around me. Or even if I put you in the centre. Or if I put my kids in the centre. If I put anything on one of those other segments or spokes, if I put finances in the centre, if I put work and career in the centre, all kinds of good things, if I put them in the centre, that's fine, but they're never meant to be the centre. And if they're in the centre, everything's going to keep wobbling and come crashing down. Even ministry, even working for God, is not meant to be the centre. It's meant to be from the centre relationship with Jesus. This stuff flows out of me. Because Jesus said this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do... Nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says, when we bear much fruit, we show the world that we're his disciples. So this isn't like, don't be busy, don't be productive. This is like, bear much fruit. Live a fruitful life. And people are going to say, wow, that person 
must know Jesus. That person must be so connected to the, their purpose and their creator. They must know why they're here. They must know where they're going. Because look at what they're producing. It all comes out of that. So make a plan, whatever your plan, whatever it looks like, make it with God at the centre, not as a spoke, not as a segment. How do you do that? I've got to work at it. You plan and you prepare and you stop doing some things and you start doing some other things and you say no to say a better yes. Everybody's looking for you. Everybody wants a piece of you. Yeah, I'm going over there. I'm choosing not to do that because I've been chosen to do that. No, thank you. Yes, please. I want to spend, I don't know how long I've got to live. None of us do. I don't want to waste any of it. I don't want to spend this life not doing the things that I was saved for. Not doing the things that I was created and made for. I want to do more of that and less of anything but that. Life's too short and eternity's too long for anything else. So, this is about habits. It's about changing our habits. It's about changing... The, you are the sum of your habits, Aristotle said. So, we're going to pray. And so often when we pray, we, we give our lives first time to Jesus. What do we say to people? We want, when you used to pray a prayer and you give your life and you say, I want Jesus to be right in the centre of my life and for you to be in charge of it. We say that kind of thing, don't we? But that's never meant to be a one-off. That's not like you, you, I put Jesus at the centre of my life in 1990 whenever or when I heard Billy Graham or something like that. This is like every day. Because what I find is all those other things keep pulling me away from God. So I've got to go, no, centre Putting Jesus at the centre isn't a one-time thing. Because him getting pushed out isn't. So what am I going to do this week? Jesus said, I only want to do what I see the Father's doing, the Father is doing. So, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What happens? All these other things. Focus on the centre. Jesus at the centre. To the extent that he isn't at the centre, everything else will keep wobbling out of balance. But when I put him at the centre, it's like that relationship with him bleeds out into all of the others. It's like, Jesus, what's the next bit? If this is a four and you're inviting me to live at an eight in that relational life, what, what do you need me to do? Help me to... to to grow in that area. Let's work together, Holy Spirit, on, on, on what that is. Should we stand if you're able? Take a big deep breath in. Thank you, Lord. Every breath, all your gifts to us. You can stand calm, steady in the centre of a storm with Jesus at the centre of your life because he's in charge he's not worried 
God's not worried. So you make a decision today. Today, let's do that just as we pray. Lord, please show me the the growth gap. Maybe just one area of this that you want to help me to grow in. An area maybe where it's a three. What's the plan? What do I need to start to do? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to say no to? Who do I need to say no to? Say a better yes to you. Where am I? Who with? Where am I going? These are big questions, Lord. I can't find my answers apart from you. What little thing can I do right now to start to change things for the better? Maybe what big thing do I need to do? And I know I need to do that, but I'm scared. Give me your courage, Lord. And Lord, thank you that as, as you remain in me, and as I remain in you, the result will be much for Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.